Hi everyone, I'm Jamila. I'm Doris. Welcome to Privacy Podcasts, a space to discuss Gen Z privacy issues and cultivate habits that improve our digital well-being from a privacy perspective. Have you ever been in a Zoom call and needed to go to the bathroom? So maybe you mute your camera and your microphone and you go for it. But what if the mute button malfunctioned while you were taking care of your business? You'd be horrified, right? But our devices don't even need to malfunction to gain our personal information. We're being tracked on a daily basis. For example, one evening at a dinner table, my family was talking about buying a new mattress because we just moved into a new apartment. No one looked up mattresses in the phones or searched online for a nearby store. However, a couple hours later, we started getting ads for mattresses in the area on our phones. That's pretty creepy. And it's what we're here to talk about. Um, We want to be more aware of these kinds of privacy breaching situations in our lives and figure out ways to navigate them. On this podcast, we want to learn how to take care of our digital health the way we take care of our physical and mental health. When we, for example, brush our teeth, take a shower, eat healthy food, or connect with loved ones. So before we start, a bit more about us. I'm a recent college grad. I'm the same age as Google, 23. So I literally grew up with tech. I have a liberal arts background and studied a bit of everything in college, but focused on the humanities and social sciences. I'm a big fan of podcasts, not just this one, um, spontaneous road trips, and trying out every sushi restaurant I can find. And I'm Jamila, as I mentioned, I'm 21, and I'm currently in college studying data science, sociology, and some theater. I love to do dance and arts in my free time, but I have a STEM background, and I usually teach computational thinking during summers to middle and high school students. So let's talk about how we met uh, on a Zoom call, which very much fits into the narrative of 2020 and 2021. Um, I remember reaching out to Jami in a chat and saying, hey, I saw you were interested in tech privacy. Me too. Let's start something. And here we are. Yeah, it was really random, but we got so lucky to find each other. Yeah. And the fact that we have like very specific passion and privacy in youth. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> So Jami, what got you interested in privacy? I don't think I've had a particular experience with my online privacy being undermined that motivated me to research these issues, but it's more the lack of considering of privacy, especially when it comes to vulnerable populations. So I'm an immigrant and it entails risks like being more vulnerable to online scams and traffickers because you don't know the language and the culture when you come to a new country. And you're more prone to data exploitation and increased surveillance because you actually just have to give out more information to the government just to stay in the country. So I didn't care enough about protecting my personal information using apps and other smart technologies that collect a lot of information about me. And as I learned, this information will then be sold to thousands of unknown third-party vendors who then can target me and others in my social group for commercial purposes or even worse for criminal activity. I just think that this is a huge global problem that most people tend to overlook because they're too busy or they don't know about it or they don't care. 
So how about you, Doris? Why are you interested in privacy? Yeah, my interest also stems from my cultural background. I grew up in two pretty different worlds, um, mostly Los Angeles, but also Hubei, China. And I've always been interested in the distinct value systems of these two communities. So when I got to college, I had the chance to research how privacy rights are interpreted differently around the world. And now I work in tech protecting users' rights online. So I think about tech ethics and privacy on a day-to-day basis. I think it's really interesting how a lot of new tech in my industry is trending towards collecting as much data as possible about its users so that it can personalize services and ads and recommendations for you. So anything from autonomous cars that can remember the route you would take at this time of day um, to the standing desk that I'm using now that remembers my preferred heights. So these technologies are convenient, but it's interesting to think about how we can protect data in a world that's relying more and more on data to make these technologies convenient. I'm also a pretty active social media user and tech user, and I have been since I was little, so before I knew about privacy rights. Um, So I think about how my younger self kind of sabotaged my privacy by posting basically every aspect of my life on Facebook, which I'm reminded of. Every time Facebook memories tells me about dozens of posts I made about my exact location and what I was doing and feeling at every moment of my young life. So that's actually part of the reason we're doing this podcast. I mean, it's funny to joke about the stuff we posted online as kids, but also that stuff could be dangerous. And we were never taught to keep information private because we were the first kids to use these technologies. Maybe adults knew about privacy policies on Google, but 13-year-old me sure did not. And at Privacy Collective, we want to make privacy a more accessible concept. More on our mission later. First, why is privacy important in the first place? Well, imagine if someone hacked into your Gmail account because you had a password like 123. And I know you people are out there. And leaked photos or information you didn't want to be shared online. It can be very traumatizing mentally and have physical consequences for you, like sleep loss, appetite loss, or withdrawal because of embarrassment. So this is why digital privacy is important for both your physical and mental health, because you can have this kind of incident. Improving your privacy can help you holistically approach your overall well-being. So I'm wondering why more people aren't doing it. I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, maintaining my privacy is just hopeless. There's so much about me out there. Nobody cares about my data anyway, so I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And to that I say, I get it. You know, we're all busy people. Why would we want to read privacy statements or come up with secure passwords when we have so much else going on? And who cares if you can see my baby photos from 1998? To that I say, companies care. They can make lots of money off your data. 
Hackers care for obvious reasons that credit card data you have saved in your browser can get them to Hawaii. Governments care. They can use your data to track you, to track your family and your friends, and then potentially make wrongful accusations or arrests. Also, that means that your data isn't just potentially used against you. Because we're all connected, privacy is important because your privacy relies on the privacy of those around you, and vice versa. So think about it. If your friend's Instagram is hacked, the hackers can see your messages to your friend too. And if your parents love posting family photos online, your face is now on the internet, even if you haven't posted the photos yourself. So even if you're not worried about your own privacy, you could be unknowingly compromising the privacy of the people you interact with. Yeah, something I, I want to point out before we move on, though, is that you aren't and shouldn't be always individually responsible for protecting your privacy uh, because it's a systemic issue, really. And being able to care about privacy is a privilege. It means you have the time and energy to think about this issue. And you certainly need a lot of time and energy. The systems around us, the billion-dollar companies that profit off our data, have made it so hard for us to control that data. It is especially hard to think about these issues when you have to focus on fulfilling your basic needs first. And the people who are most vulnerable to privacy violations are usually the ones who have other priorities and they don't have time to think about protecting their privacy. Because, for example, if you are struggling financially, then you might rely a lot on the government for services and you're just worried about other things. But at the same time, you are most surveilled. Right. So it's definitely a privilege for us to be here having these conversations. But I also want to point out that being able to not care about privacy could also be a privilege. You know, maybe you're not worried about being tracked by the government, but undocumented immigrants are. Maybe you're not concerned about being wrongfully arrested or mistreated by law enforcement based on incorrect or incomplete data, but BIPOCs, specifically Black and Indigenous people, are. So if you're friends with people from these marginalized groups, you should think about how they're being affected by your actions online. By the way, I'm calling myself out here too. I shared tons of stuff online without a second thought. And through making this podcast, I'm hoping to learn how to be better about that. I hope you'll join me. Some people might also say that they have nothing to hide, so they don't care. But as the journalist Grant Greenwald said in his TED talk called Why Privacy Matters, if you imagine a person coming up to you and asking to give them your passwords, you would probably never do that for them. But somehow we do that online. And I was just always curious why there's a difference. Maybe it's the same as when we shop in person versus online. Because when we shop in person, we can feel the weight of the items we buy, and therefore we might not buy what we can't reasonably carry. But when we shop online, we don't feel that physical weight, and it's easier to overbuy. So maybe the same thing is happening with giving your data to online platforms. Because it's a very detached experience, like filling out a form and you're not interacting with a person. So it's easy to just input your information and not give it a second thought. Whereas if someone were to ask you for your email login information in person, you don't have to think that one through. Like, why do they want that data? What are they going to do with it? Where is it going to be stored and who would have access to it? I think it would just be such a weird situation if someone asked you this in person. 
uh, you know, just give me your email login info, like hand me all your passwords. (laughs) And I wonder, you know, why don't we think it's weird online? now that we've talked about why privacy is important generally let's get a little more specific our community privacy is focused on gen z because of how much time was spent online and how our generation isn't well represented in the tech privacy community so in a survey conducted in 2019 pew research center found out that 48 percent of 18 to 29 year olds say they're online almost constantly compared to 36 percent of 30 to 49 year olds 19% of 50 to 64-year-olds, and just 7% of 65-year-olds and older. That's a big difference between these age groups. On top of that, the share of younger adults who say they use the internet almost constantly has risen 9 percentage points since the last time this survey was conducted in 2018. We can leave a link to the study in our podcast notes, but we just want to note that the share of younger adults using the internet constantly has likely risen even more in 2020 because of the pandemic. That's why it's important to us that we focus on our generation. We're online almost constantly in a way more than our parents and grandparents. We're so used to the convenience of tech and we might not notice or care about the negative consequences such as privacy breaches like older generations might. Also, the tech privacy conversation so far has been dominated by highly educated and well-established privacy advocates, not by students or recent grads like us. I'm a huge fan of organizations like Berkman Klein. They're a research center at Harvard that focuses on the study of cyberspace, and they do a lot of great work on topics like surveillance and hacking. But I can't say that their reports, articles, and events are very accessible to Gen Zers, to young people, because it's all very academic. When research organizations release white papers or have conferences, those of us who actually grew up using internet-connected devices, Gen Zers, we aren't listening. We can't understand when we do, or we aren't perceived as authoritative enough to contribute to the overall discussion. That's why our mission is to start conversations about Gen Z privacy issues using terminology and concepts that are accessible to people of diverse backgrounds. We want Gen Z to understand how their data is collected, used, and exploited, and how we can protect ourselves. Our target audience includes those of us who grew up with Google, Facebook, Twitter, etc., and internet-connected devices, from your iPad to your electric toothbrush. We're the first generation to have spent our entire lives in the internet age, and we want to talk about the privacy implications of those experiences. You don't need to be a tech or policy expert to take steps to improve your online privacy. That's what we want to show you, by sharing simple steps you can take to exercise your human right to privacy. We started this podcast with the warning that your devices know a lot about you, including the device you're using to listen to us now. Maybe that's not something you think about on a daily basis. We've normalized these privacy violations, for instance, when we automatically agree to terms and conditions without even reading them. 
Here at Privacy Collective, we want to slow down and we want to learn how to be more mindful of the information we're sharing. But also, I just want to note that it shouldn't always be on you, the user, to address these issues. We need to make a distinction between individual versus systemic responsibility for privacy issues. We need to question why individuals have this burden in the first place to protect our privacy when the problems themselves, they're not at an individual level. They're systemically weaved into the institutions and corporations around us. How can we bring about systemic change to protect privacy? That's what we'll explore in later episodes. So thanks for listening to our very first episode to learn about what Privacy Collective is all about. Join us next time for more episodes and exclusive interviews with privacy experts. 